You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 990 of the Lawton Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's show is brought to you by Locker Room. Download the Locker Room app from the iOS App Store and find one of our Locked On Rooms. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. Today's podcast will focus on what became a one-point win. Yes, a one-point win for the Hawks at home against the Wizards on Monday night. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, a win is a win. They all look the same in the standings, but it's not a great performance from the Hawks. I have to be honest about that. Atlanta did not play incredibly well in this game, but they did lead by 19 points in the fourth quarter before almost letting this one get away. So my theme is basically too close for comfort in this spot for the Hawks. They did enough, though, to get the win, their 38th victory of the season. And also, I would say nationally, the headliner tonight is Russell Westbrook, who set a new all-time NBA record with 182 triple-doubles. And he got it. He got them in pretty uh, easy fashion. In fact, he had 10 assists in the, in the fourth quarter alone uh, and uh, was a big part of the end result as well as, as he missed a potential game-winning three in the final seconds. But from a Hawks standpoint, obviously the win is the win, and we'll get into the game as we always do. And thank you for joining us on the podcast today. Um, for Atlanta... Beyond the victory, the number one takeaway slash news story from this evening is the return of DeAndre Hunter. Uh, Hunter has not played a lot in recent days. He was a game-time decision um, and actually was on a minutes restriction, obviously, from being out this long. But he missed 47 of the last 49 games before Monday night, including 24 in a row. He famously returned for a two-game stint. Um, and then went back on the shelf for quite some time. His last appearance was March 24th, so you know, almost two months ago. And honestly, it's kind of crazy to think about this, but only the 21st game of the season that he has played. So Hunter was so good early on in the season to, to the point where he was, uh, I was like, getting national buzz for how good he was playing, and uh, that's appropriate because he was playing very, very well. But um, good to see him back and looking ahead to the game, by the way, as a spoiler alert here, he, he looked pretty good, which is what you want to see if you are a Hawks fan. Um, of course, in the effort to keep the rule, quote-unquote, in place that the Hawks can never have full health, Tony Snell missed this game with a, with Achilles soreness. He was ruled out. Um, he was questionable, questionable coming into the day, so I don't know how serious that is, but um, hopefully just a one-game absence and Cam Reddish is still out for Atlanta. On Washington's side, Bradley Beal missed this game, and the Wizards announced that he's going to miss both games, Monday and Wednesday, against the Hawks. That's obviously a, uh, a small victory for the for Atlanta. You never want to benefit too much from the other team being out in terms of injuries, but Beal is, a, uh, I believe, number two in the league in scoring right now, is obviously a great player, so that's a big loss. Uh, the Hawks managed to still have a close game, of course, on Monday, but he's, he's out again on Wednesday as well, which is important to uh, keep in mind for context. And... Our friends at BetOnline.ag had the Hawks as eight-point favorites at home by tip-off on Monday. They did not cover that spread, although they definitely could have, up by 19 in the fourth quarter. But there you go. The Hawks are supposed to win this game. They won it, just not terribly comfortably at the end of the day. Okay, we'll dive in now to the game itself. And at the outset, the Hawks actually started this game well. It was 8-2 to two out of the gate. Um, of course, right away, Washington raced that deficit, and it was a lot of back and forth for most of this game. Um... The Hawks play Bogdanovich on Westbrook at the outset. No great options on Russ, quite frankly. Um, Chris Dunn still not playing for Atlanta. So if you go on the list of guys who are available, there's nobody great to put on him. Bogdanovich is probably the strongest perimeter guy. They had Solomon Hill on him briefly as well. You kind of want to bat, bat him up a little bit, but that, there were no great options there. Herder, play, Herder was on him for a while. Um, yeah, there you go. Um, 
other than Capella dominating the glass really the entire night, um, the headline for the first quarter was DeAndre Hunter's first appearance. He came in about five-minute mark of the first quarter. He was the first sub, actually, for Atlanta. They got him involved right away with a couple of pin downs. Uh, he looked pretty comfortable to me, and that was kind of what everyone was saying after the game well, as well, including himself, is that you know no, no pain, moving well, uh, no setbacks, all was positive there. He made his uh, first jump shot on sort of a pull-up mid-ranger after, off, off a pump fake. That was good to see. Um, and then he made a sort of a contested long two, like a 22-footer or so, of sorts um, right after that. So he was, uh, I, I would say, playing pretty well out of the gates. Um, definitely a fast-paced game for Atlanta. You know, one of the traits of the McMillan era has been playing uh, pretty glacially slow, like bottom five pace slow in the NBA. In this game, they definitely said, you know, Washington dictated the pace, and that's for sure. Westbrook and Ish Smith, they, they play very fast and downhill, and the Hawks sort of let them do that in this game. It didn't bite them, but it certainly could have. At any rate, though, um, offensively in the first quarter, it wasn't too... In- I wouldn't say it wasn't too incredibly high level, but the pace looked as if it was a little bit better than that. It was 34-32, and uh, the Hawks did shoot 66% from the floor in the first quarter, but turnovers were a problem the entire first half. Atlanta had 10 turnovers before halftime, and turnovers, um, you know, they, they don't necessarily sink you, but McMillan made sure to acknowledge that after the game as well, especially with Trey Young had five in the first half. That was a problem. He was kind of forcing things early on, and that um, ended up holding the offense back from being what it could have been before halftime. Um, they stayed in with Hunter at the beginning of the, of the second quarter. They brought Capella back in. They put in nine-minute rotation for a lot of the first half, and they finally brought Solomon Hill in. I was actually thinking that they might actually stick with nine, but it ended up being Hill as the tenth. So basically the same rotation that it's been for the last couple of games, but with Hunter in the Tony Snell role. So we've not, not necessarily seen um, McMillan have to make that decision in the, in the recent past as to, as to who will be playing, who won't be playing. Again, I thought it might be a Solomon Hill on the bench kind of night, but they ended up going to him, and and Hunter is still limited, so that could be part of this as well. As he, is, as he uh, sort of expands his minutes, that could be uh, leading to other cuts in the rotation. Um, there was a great dunk by Capella early in the second quarter. He kind of blew through Robin Lopez, who is not a small man. Uh, he's definitely physical, and Capella just threw him out of the way, basically. That was a fun one. And then an 8-0 run by the Wizards, though, to take the lead in the second quarter. That was their first big run of the game um, to go up by go up by 2 after the Hawks is sort of inched ahead. Uh, Collins had a big dunk as well. Collins was awesome in this game. Uh, a big alley-oop that he finished in the second quarter. Uh, a lot of scattered, I would say, pace stuff throughout the first half. It's a pretty shaky defense from the Hawks. I'm, I will say they weren't terrible defensively for parts of this game. But I think everyone agrees they were not particularly good, including McMillan. And there was one frustration timeout called by McMillan late in the first half when uh, Trey turned it over led to a dunk. And uh, that was a snap-off. You could tell the frustration level was rising on the Hawks' sideline from McMillan. They go back to the starters um, after a timeout and uh, another another pretty bad turnover transition by, by Trey. Um, they, actually, Trey was made a six in the fourth, sorry, in the second quarter. Um, and then there was an absolutely absurd turnaround three by Bogdanovich. Um, not that he's not capable of making that shot because he absolutely, he absolutely is, but just the confidence that it takes to take that shot in that spot um, late in the first half, that was a sort of a video game turnaround shot from Bogdanovich that he made. And they actually had a chance to take the lead late in the first half. They sort of botched a lob in transition. But the Hawks still only trailed by one at the end of the first half, which is not too bad given how shakily they played before halftime. Offensively, it was plenty good. Just a lot of turnovers. Again, 10 before halftime. 15 assists, though, to sort of offset that. Calls at 15 points on eight shots before halftime. 
Um, Trey had 10 points, identified turnovers, and then McDonough had 11 points. But defensively, um, 20 points in the paint allowed, 51% shooting for the Wizards, not a lot of defensive resistance in the first half. And, uh, you know, it didn't bite them because they were only down by one. But uh, we'll get into the second half and the ebbs and flows of that because there were lots of ebbs and flows in the second half. But before we get to that, a word from our sponsors on today's podcast, and the first of which is Locker Room. Locker Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or your favorite sport. Locker Room is the perfect place to start and join conversations about the league, and you'll find fans just like you in Locker Room for watch parties, debates, post-game breakdowns, of course, reacting to all the biggest news and rumors. You can even find lots on hosts across MLB, NBA, and the NHL, including some of our big-name folks. In fact, I know for a fact the Hollinger Duncan podcast has been on there, um, recording live and then sharing that on their podcast platform. All kinds of our hosts are up and down the channels. You can find them in the Locked On rooms, and you definitely should go ahead and check that out now. In fact, go download the free Locker Room app, currently available on all iOS devices, and be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join any of the conversations about the NFL, MLB, and NHL, in addition to the NBA, for all the latest league updates. I know you'll find incredible rooms about your favorite teams in your leagues, and I'll be sure to let you know once there are even more rooms going on for the Locked On team. Download the Locker Room app today. Locker Room, changing the way we talk sports. All right, we'll dive in now the second half of this game, and obviously lots of back and forth, but really it was just two kind of big runs, one by the Hawks in the third quarter into the fourth, and then one big one by the Wizards in the fourth quarter. So in the early portion of the third, it was kind of back and forth um, but on a smaller scale. The Hawks actually opened up the second half in beautiful fashion. The first two possessions, they got two stops, and they scored six points on a three by Bogdanovich and a three-point play by Collins. That's the way you want to start the half when you're trailing by one. At the break, uh, by the way, Capella had 15 rebounds with nine and a half minutes left in the third quarter, just uh, dominating the glass almost by himself. I don't think he was great in this game. We'll talk about that, talk about that later, but rebounding-wise, he was uh, everywhere, all over the place. Um, the Wizards did come back to tie the game, and the Hawks went on a 7-0 run in 44 seconds, a couple of floaters by Trey and a three by Bogdanovich. Um, that prompted a timeout from the Wizards. There was a really uh, nice uh, Collins stretch here as part of a big run by the Hawks. He had a smooth turn on jump shot over Bertans that had a massive block shot on Rui Hachimura. Then another block a few possessions later, he tried to dunk on Robin Lopez, um, and that was going to be a big-time uh, highlight, but Lopez fouled him and sent him to the line. But Collins was kind of dominant there for about a three-minute stretch where he just kind of turned it up in a big way. It was a 17-2 overall run by the Hawks to go by, to go by 15 points, 88-73. The Wizards only had two points in about five minutes, which usually is like a death blow. And honestly, it felt over in that moment, um, given that the Hawks were the better team on paper. They're playing at home. The Wizards without Beal, all that stuff. The Hawks uh, sort of put the game away, quote unquote, it felt like, but that was not necessarily the case, um, as we'll get into in a moment. But uh, Collins and Young were awesome in that run. They brought in her, uh, Hunter for that second stint, um, sort of in the middle of that run. I thought he was fine in that stint as well, just as a note. Um, the Wizards did score six points in a row to cut the lead back down to nine at one point, but the Hawks did respond by scoring the final eight of the third quarter to go up by 17 points. It was a 35-17 to 17 quarter, just dominant stuff from the Hawks overall by far. Really their only dominant quarter of the entire game. Um, the Wizards were 8-25 from the floor and 1-7 from three with no free throw attempts in the third quarter. So that's pretty much, it's pretty awesome defense. Obviously some help there from Washington, but still, defensively, that was their best quarter by far. The Hawks actually didn't shoot it incredibly well. Um, 48% is totally fine, but they got to the line eight times, made all eight, and had four offensive rebounds and very little turnovers. So that was kind of the perfect storm to uh, overcome some you know, middling shooting, we'll say. But Trey had 16 points in the third quarter alone, five rebounds as well, and he was uh, he was quite good in that period. Um, the fourth quarter, 
as I sort of alluded to a moment ago, the Hawks led 100 to 90, sorry, 100 to 81 with about 11 minutes to go after a floor by Kongwu. Um, that was a large lead of the night at 19 points. So again, up 19, 11 minutes to go at home against the team that you're better than. The game should be over, but it was not over at that point in time. An immediate 9-0 run by the Wizards to uh, get within 10. That prompted a timeout from there. They brought Capella back in um, to kind of stabilize things, but it didn't work that time around. Eventually, it was a 15-0 run by Washington. The Hawks finally scored after a 3-plus minute um, hiatus between buckets. And overall, it was a 21-3 run by the Wizards to go from down 19 to down by 1. Now, Washington never took the lead, which is crazy. If you watch this game, it felt like they did a couple times, and it never did it. They had a couple opportunities to do so, and it was never actually the case. Um, Trey hit a nice mid-ranger down the stretch. I won't do the entire play-by-play for you here, but um, you know, lots of back and forth, back and forth. Um, Trey got a layup with about two minutes to go to go by three. Washington answers. Then the Hawks don't score, and this is the first miss opportunity from the Wizards. They had a wide-open three down one in the corner and just missed it. They would have given them the lead. Then they foul Collins on a loose ball, and suddenly the Hawks are up by three again with about 90 seconds to go. Then Washington commits a traveling violation, so now the Hawks are in uh, complete control again. They bring in Gallinari for Capella on offense to avoid getting fouled in that spot. Um, Trey had a chance to kind of put it away a little bit more with a speed layup against Bertans. He blew right by him and just missed it at the rim. Kind of a tough shot, but still one that he makes pretty often. Missed that one. And then from there, Washington scores in transition, and suddenly the lead is back down to one. Um, from there, uh, a nice pocket pass from Troy Young to John Collins, who was fouled immediately, but made both. I will say there was probably a little bit too much uh, just Trey, like, no-pass isos in the fourth quarter, at least down the stretch. Not that he's not capable of scoring, and obviously he's, he is capable of that, but he, he wasn't necessarily dominating in that stretch. They were switching, which is, part, which is part of the problem there, but they got away from Collins a little bit. They got away from their offense a little bit, and that kind of bogged them down down the stretch. Regardless, though, that possession was a nice pass by Young to Collins, who was fouled, made both. They gave up a bucket to, to Westbrook right away. So the Hawks, that, that was sort of a two-for-one wisely by the Wizards. The Hawks get it back with six with about six six second differential between the shot clock and the game clock, so they had to sort of be careful there. Um, and by the way, that I thought it was good defense by by Herder on Westbrook. It just didn't matter in that moment. Um, so offensively, the Hawks have a chance to score and put it back to three, or maybe maybe my four put it away. Collins, I thought, got fouled on the play. It was not called, um, I guess, unsurprisingly, because Collins just doesn't get calls. <laughs> That's just kind of the name of the game with John. But from there. Um, so the Hawks are up by one, and now Washington has the ball down only one with a with plenty of time to score. And Westbrook, uh, in my mind, does the Hawks a pretty big favor by settling for a pull-up three. Now, he could have made it. That's a shot that Russ is fully capable of making. He's made, he's made that, kind of, that, that kind of shot a million times in his career. But, you know, up by one, the Hawks have to be thrilled. Even with a you know a pretty good look from Westbrook, you have to be okay with that shot. Um, given everything else that, you know, the Hawks kind of gave it away in a lot of ways. But um, I don't know why he didn't attack the rim because I'm not sure they could have stopped him or maybe they would have fouled him with the line. Regardless, that was a bailout, I thought, for Atlanta. He misses it. And by the time it's uh, off the rim, the game is basically over. Trey just kind of launches it in the air smartly to preserve the win. So, you know, (laughs) the Hawks were in a great position. They held on to the lead for dear life. But the Wizards definitely had some chances that they gave up, and uh, that allowed the Hawks to hang on one. But you know, here's the, the contrast: would be Washington shot 71 percent from the floor in the fourth quarter, including seven of 11 from three. And the Wizards have some good shooters. Davis Bertans made three threes in pretty short order to really 
sort of allow the Wizards to climb back into the game. The third one was banked in, so there was some luck for sure by Washington. Um, Westbrook had 10 assists in the fourth quarter alone, which is just, again, insane. Uh, to get his triple-double along the way there. The Hawks were 8-23 from the floor in the fourth quarter as well, so it was definitely a confluence of events to have the Hawks lose their 19-point lead. But, um, you know, I would say that stands in contrast to what the Hawks have been doing during this run with McMillan the last two months, is that the Hawks have been so good in the fourth quarter. This is this is one where they were not good in the fourth quarter, and Washington uh, sort of took advantage of that. McMillan said after the game, uh, defensively, he was actually asked by Sarah Spencer of the AJC about the what happened, sort of what happened in the fourth quarter. He basically said defense, and they just kind of stopped guarding and stopped getting stops. Um, again, part of that is Washington getting hot. And McMillan's flout said the words, quote, we got lucky, end quote, at the end of the game. I think he's right. Now, I think the Hawks are the better team, and the better team won, so if you want to say that, that's okay. But um, if this game goes for two more minutes, I'm not sure the Hawks win it. Um, so they, they escape with the win. They all count in the standings, but even McMillan sort of acknowledged this is not a great performance from the Hawks. And I think if you try to grade this game in terms of how the Hawks actually played, given the opponent, given the venue and all that, this is probably like a C-minus effort from the Hawks. They just happened to do enough to win because Washington, outside of Westbrook and that Bertans run, didn't have a whole lot else going on. I mean, I guess Ishmith uh, and Robert Lopez were pretty good. Rui was okay, but uh, yeah, not a great effort from the Hawks. But hey, they won the game. That is what matters at the end of the day. Okay, before we get to the individual stuff in this game and some standings talk at the end of the podcast, a word from our sponsors on today's show, and the first of which is rockauto.com. One key reason to repair and maintain your own car is to save money. You can use for other important things like paying the mortgage or paying for food or whatever else you want to use it for. And honestly, why would you want to pay more money for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership when you instead can use rockauto.com? rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything you need from engine control modules and brake pads to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver. Get everything you need, just a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. And best of all, prices at rockauto.com are always low and they're always the same for pros and do-it-yourselfers, so why spend twice as much for the exact same parts? Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. When you get there, you want to write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. rockauto.com Today's show is also sponsored by the good folks at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is not happening right now, and I understand that's a lot of people's favorite thing to bet on in the sports world, but there are plenty of other options, including the NBA, of course. You have the NHL, auto racing, golf, tennis, MMA, college sports, everything you can imagine, you can find it at betonline.ag. And BetOnline even covers awards, entertainment bets, TV shows, and reality TV. BetOnline also has real-time updated odds and all kinds of props on almost anything you can imagine. Props are really fun to get into the sports betting world if you've not tried it before. And on top of that, BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and the odds that you need. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website now at betonline.ag or use mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit if you use the promo code LOCKEDON. That is 50% and a welcome bonus on your first deposit when you use the promo code locked on at betonline.ag. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, and we'll end the show with some individual breakdowns as well as a look at the standings and where the Hawks are after 69 games. They're in a nice spot at this point in time. But individually, a 10-man rotation for Atlanta in this game. And spoiler alert, the bench was not good. Outside of DeAndre Hunter, 
Um, and Okongwu was okay in his moments, um, but the other three guys who played extensively were not productive in this game. Um, we'll start with Lou Williams, who played 11 minutes, and the Hawks were minus 17 in those 11 minutes. Um, so basically, um, looking ahead to Trey Young, the Hawks were plus 18 when Trey played, and they were plus 18 when Herter played. Those guys' those guys' minutes were pretty much mirrored together in a lot of ways. Um, and they were minus 17 when Lou played, minus 17 when Gallinari played, minus 23 when Solomon Hill played. And they earned that. So Lou, two points, a rebound, no assists, one five from the floor. Um, he's prone to these uh, sort of no-show kind of games. I don't think it was all on Lou Williams, but he was not good. And you felt it in this game. Um you know, I guess it's not breaking news to say that when the Hawks lose Trey Young to the bench for rest, they get worse. That's kind of how it's always going to be. But um, it's kind of it stands out when Lou shake is shaky and they just don't have any recourse at all. So he was pretty poor in this game. Uh, Solomon Hill was a non-factor, minus twenty-three. So you know, again, that's not all him either. But one point, two rebounds, an assist, a steal. Uh, got to the line for his one and one and only attempt, and that actually broke a scoreless streak. So I guess that was uh, some value brought there. But um, Solo was not particularly good, and I think um, it's it's another reminder that I, I'm I'm not saying match. It, it kind of is going to depend on matchups, but there will probably be a time when Solomon Hill is not going to be in the rotation. That's my guess. Again, it could be matchup driven. If you play the Knicks, maybe you need him on Julius Randle for some physicality, whatever whatever it is. But if Hunter is back and you have Tony Snell, I, I do wonder. You, you, you kind of have to choose between Snell and Hill, and I think they might go with Snell depending on the matchups, but regardless, um, Solo was not particularly good in this game. Um, Okongwu, seven minutes, so pretty pretty limited deployment there. Capella played a lot, and they went small for uh, periods of time with Collins and Gallinari. But two points, two rebounds, uh, sorry, one, one rebound, two assists. Did have two turnovers, um, one of those was, was an offensive foul, and two fouls from Okongwu, so he was kind of a non-factor as well. He was okay at, 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 some, at some moments. His one shot was a nice floater. And defensively, a couple of good, good possessions that I that I noticed, but um, just kind of, sort of a quiet night. And I think that's also going to be the theme moving forward. You might see him for a stint or two, pretty short um, stints, to give Capella a blow, and that'll be kind of that for that. And then Gallinari um, was the only guy on the bench other than Hunter who had any offensive punch. Eight points in 21 minutes, four seven from the floor, three rebounds and two assists. He had one uh, post possession <laughs> over. <laughs> Uh, Chandler Hutchinson, in which I noted that he just made Chandler Hutchinson, it was sort of mean the way what he did to Hutchinson. He just can't be guarded sometimes. Gallo is unstoppable when he gets to his uh, sort of back shoulder fade away. Anyway, he was uh, not great, but at least made a couple shots and was a threat. And then Hunter, 14 minutes, six points, three rebounds, um, had um, three of seven from the floor, two, uh, sorry, 0 of two from three, so nothing to get too excited about there. But after the game, this is the bigger takeaway for me. Number one, he looked pretty good to me. Eye test-wise, we're all guessing a little bit with how he's going to look, but I thought he looked normal. And then after the game, both McMillan said the same thing, so they were happy with where he looked in this game. And then Hunter said he felt good with a knee after the game. No complaints was the way he put it, and he felt comfortable. He said he was excited to get back back out there and compete. Uh, he got asked after the game if he, if he thought he came back too early the first time, he, he, and he did say no. Obviously, you're going to say no probably to that question, what is asked to you, but just for some context, I, I've been asked a lot about Hunter coming back too early, so that was uh, from the horse's mouth. You hear that from Hunter, and that's what he said. I'll leave it there for now. So... Again, a very positive night. 14 minutes. I have no idea what the restriction was, but it's probably in that range somewhere. McMillan is not always forthcoming on the actual number when it comes to minutes restrictions. But from here, as long as they're on track and there's no swelling and all that stuff, you would expect Hunter to ramp up a little bit from here, little by little, 14, 16, 18, up to 20s and, and beyond. So they have three more games to do this, and then they have 
what amounts to a full week off if they can avoid the play-in. And right now, it looks like they are very, very, very likely, like 99% likely to avoid the play-in. So um, all that said, they're going to have some rest to get him even more ramped up with some practice time, and that's probably a good timing and all of that stuff. So as long as he's all clear, very, very positive because DeAndre Hunter unlocks a lot for them. That's not breaking news, but obviously it's worth emphasizing tonight because he's coming back. Uh, He looked good, and that's a very, very positive development for Atlanta. Um, to the starters in this game, uh, again, it was night and day, starters versus bench. Um, that's been the case a lot this year, but there were also, yeah, like that Phoenix game last week, the Hawks bench really carried them. On this night, it was more of a throwback to the bench being shaky and the starters being good. So uh, we'll start with Kevin Herter, who was probably the quietest. Uh, had seven points, four rebounds, three assists, did not have a shot today. He was three of 12 from the floor and one of six from three. So that's tough to overcome on some nights. In fact, Trey and Herter were two of 13 from three. And a lot of times previously, the Hawks would have been tough to uh, sort of sustain offense with, with those two guys doing that. And if you combine that, by the way, if you throw that in, if you remove Bogdanovich, we'll just say that, take him out of the mix from three, the rest of the team was three of 18 from three. That is bad. Uh, but Bogdanovich is obviously scalding hot. And that we'll come back to that in a second. But um, just wanted to make sure that I made that point. But Herder was not great. But I think floor game-wise, he played pretty well. I think defensively, he had some good moments on Washington's guards. And then, uh, you know, his good you know, three, three assists, I thought, I thought he was okay. His, his plus 18 is misleading, is misleading for sure, and the fact that he wasn't the one accounting for that. But I thought he was fine. He was better than his shooting numbers indicate in this game. Uh, Click Capella, I, I thought was okay. It was not his best. Despite the fact that he had 22 rebounds, again, 22 rebounds, uh, he was dominant on the glass. That is definitely part of the game, and I think he was his normal self from there. Offensively, he was 5-10 from the floor at 0-2 from free throw line, so a sub-efficiency game for him with 10 points. And defensively, uh, he had four blocks, but not necessarily a huge deterrent at the rim in the way that he often is. And again, a bad game for Capella is still pretty good <laughs> defensively. So this is not, it's sort of a sliding scale. It's kind of like Trey on offense. When we get into, I, I, I will sometimes say that Trey wasn't great in a game and he'll have 25 points. And it's because his baseline is so much higher. Same thing with Capella defensively. It was not his best, but he was still, uh, you know, an effective player and was plus six in 35 minutes for the Hawks. And then the three guys who keyed the offense are the three guys that I'll talk, I'll talk about last here. Badanovich will start there. Seven more threes for Badanovich. He just continues to be absolutely out of his mind from three. Um, every time I talk about him, I feel like he's going to cool off. And there have been little signs of him cooling off that he'll have another one like this where he's 7 of 12. You know, he's not Steph Curry, I don't think, but he's shooting like basically the next step down from Steph Curry and has been for about the last six weeks. So I'm not I'm not trying to jinx it. It's just that he has been ridiculous. Um, again, 7 of 12 from three. 1 of 5 on twos in this game, but it didn't matter. 25 points, 4 assists, 2 steals, 5 rebounds, and the shot just keeps falling. So ride it as long as you can. He's been awesome. And uh, without him, I don't even know where the Hawks would be in the last few months and weeks. So um, from there, the uh, the Young-Collins connection will go to uh, Trey Young first. 36 points, 9 assists, 6 rebounds, 11-22 from the floor, 1 of 7 from 3, but a perfect 13 of 13 from the free throw line. And as often this year, he's, he was definitely buoyed by that. Um you know, from two, he was actually 10 of 15, which is very, very solid. Didn't have a three-point shot in this game, one of seven, but um, getting to getting the floater range, getting to the rim, getting to the free throw line, it was that kind of package for, for Trey Young in this game. The assists, the assists were solid, nine. Um, turnover-wise, he had five in the first half. That was shaky, but McMillan said this as well. He cooled off in a, in a good way in terms of not having those turnovers in the second half. 
and I thought he was better. Um, third quarter especially, he was uh, really, really cooking, getting wherever he wanted to offensively. In the fourth, I thought the offense stagnated a little bit. Part of that's on Young. He was definitely uh, willing to settle for some ISOs that, that were not the most high percentage shots. He had a bad air ball in the fourth quarter, for instance. But even then, a couple of the misses that he had were like good looks at the rim, just kind of like you know the speed layups or whatever. And he's going to make some of those. Uh, you know, I don't, don't want to overstate it either. So it was not necessarily all on him. It was not his absolute best in this game, but when you when you could still have 36 points on relative efficiency, and the turnovers were a little bit more than you would want, but he he sort of tempt, uh, toned those down in the second half. So overall, he did he did more than enough to get the win in this spot, and uh, plus 18 speaks for itself. And then John Collins, I thought was awesome again in this game. He was very very good on Thursday in Indiana, despite the loss. He was probably the best player in that game for the Hawks in this game. I'd argue he probably was the best player again. 20, 28 points, 8 rebounds, 2 blocks, a steal, an assist, plus 16, 10 of 14 from the floor, uh, 1 of 1 from 3, and 7 of 7 from the free throw line. So 28 points on like 17 junior possessions. That's obviously you know uber elite efficiency. If anything, they, get, they, they went away from him a little bit. That's the theme of this entire season is that the Hawks have gone away from Collins at inopportune times. But what he basically Washington had no answers for him. It almost didn't matter who was guarding him. I guess if you want to put Ronald Lopez on him, maybe. But like you know, Bertans had no chance. Hachimura had no chance. Um, they were just kind of getting him in the post in isolation, and that was doing enough. Plus the pick and roll game, offensive rebounding, all that stuff. I thought Collins was awesome, and then defensively he was flying around. Those two blocks in the third quarter were headline making plays, and I thought he was just really, really good. A strong performance from him and efficient. So if the Hawks get the Collins from Thursday and tonight. Moving forward into the playoffs, they they are a dangerous team. Uh, it's not just Collins, obviously. You have to have the entire package. But um, he's kind of been a little bit up and down before that. But, man, these last two games, he's been very, very much dialed in. And the Hawks could use that kind of player moving forward. Um, okay, that'll wrap up the actual game itself. And, again, my overall thought is that the Hawks did not play that well. But they beat a pretty shaky team without, without Beal. And I know Washington's been hot. As I talked about yesterday on the podcast with Ben, the Wizards have been 15 and 4 coming in, so I'm not trying to crap on the Wizards. But if you factor in what they actually had available without Beal and the home court, you know, the Hawks were favored by eight points for a reason, and Atlanta did not play their A game, but they got the win anyway. So uh, they, they escape, and escaping is good. Um, to the standings, it was actually a quiet night in the East, other than the Hawks. New York, Miami, and Boston were all out of action on Monday, so no, no changes there. But. The uh, the news, and this is unfortunate from a basketball standpoint, it's probably good for the Hawks, but I don't want to uh, sort of belabor that point. Jalen Brown's out for the year for Boston. Um, Boston was already behind the eight ball in terms of the race for the East, but without Jalen Brown, it's hard to imagine the Celtics being a huge threat. He is one of their two stars, so that's obviously a massive loss for Boston, and obviously Jalen Brown's a local kid too, so you never want to see that, and uh, it does it does sort of put them to bed, I think, in terms of the 4-5 seed race for Boston, but that was the only subplot that was happening outside of the Hawks was that unfortunate news with Jalen Brown. But the Hawks, with the win, are now a half game behind the Knicks. They're a half game ahead of the Heat, and they're two and a half ahead of Boston with three to go. So at at this point, the only way the Hawks can be in the play-in, I believe, if you do the math, is if the Hawks lose lose the last three and have Boston win out. That does not seem likely to happen. So I'm going to move forward with the assumption Again, assumption that the Hawks are going to be not in the play-in. Um, I talked about this on yesterday's podcast, but I think, the, honestly, the most likely scenario for the Hawks to get the four seed might be a three-way tie between the Hawks, uh, Knicks, and the Heat. Because the Knicks and Hawks, 
Uh, if they tie for fourth in a two-way tiebreaker, the Knicks would win it. If it's, if it's a three-way, though, the Hawks would would prevail over the Heat and the Knicks. So, oddly, you might have to root for the Heat to win by the end of the week. <laughs> as, as crazy as that sounds, I've, I've sort of been in the mindset. I'm, I'm telling people, I'm telling Hawks fans what to do here to root against Miami and root against Boston and root against New York. By the end of the week, you might ha- you might actually need Miami to win to give the Hawks the better chance to get the four seed. But regardless, Atlanta wins, and um, you know they're in the spot now where the play-in seems like it's uh, no longer a factor, we'll say. Um, especially when you factor in the, the Hawks' schedule, because the last three games they have, again, the B-list Wizards again on Wednesday, and then they go they, they, then they host Orlando, and then they host Houston. And Houston's the worst team in the league right now on Sunday, so that, that kind of goes without saying. So, we'll see. I'll, I'll have updates the entire week about what, what's going to be transpiring, but we're kind of closing the book on the play and avoidance and looking more towards getting into that 4-5. And, uh, you know, obviously you want the 4-seed because the 4-seed is home court in the first round. And I know there's not been a ton of fans, but the Hawks have been really, really good at home and not so good on the road. So if you want all things equal, you want the home games if you can get them. And last thing, that rematch with Washington on Wednesday is now uh, changed to a 7 o'clock tip-off, so just a PSA there. And also ESPN picked it up, which is why it moved to 7. Uh, it's still going to be on Valley Sports Southeast, so if you want to listen to old friend Bob Rathman and Dominique Wilkins, those guys are still on the call on on Wednesday at 7 p.m., but if you if you are someone who does not live in the Southeast or doesn't have access to that, it's on ESPN as well, so that dual broadcast will be happening. And again, Beal is out, so... We don't know what the Hawks injury report is going to be yet, obviously, for a game that's still, you know, 40 plus hours away. But barring a change I don't really see coming, the Hawks should be favored again fairly comfortably in that game, and then even more so against Orlando and Houston. Okay. Covered a lot of ground on this podcast. A nice win for the Hawks. <laughs> All things considered, they got they got the victory, and uh, we'll leave you with that. Please subscribe to the podcast or follow whichever word you you like to use to talk about. I know Apple Podcast is now looking at the word follow instead of subscribe. And if you're an Apple Podcast listener, it looks like, fingers crossed, the problems have been solved. I know not, not everybody had these, but there has been some bizarre Apple Podcast stuff going on the last week or so. Regardless, the podcast is still coming, so if you're not an Apple subscriber, that's totally fine. But Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, uh, TuneIn Radio, uh, iHeartRadio, all kinds of podcast apps. Wherever you can find podcasts, we should be there. If we're not there, please let me know. But please follow me on Twitter if you'd like to, at BT Roland. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Hawks. Check out the entire Locked On Podcast Network, and we'll see you next time.